Hi, and welcome to SCL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. My name is Rob from RobNumphoto.com, and this is episode 248, recorded on the 13th of December 2014 in Gosport on the south coast of the UK at 20 to 9 in the evening on Saturday. Hi everybody, I know, yes, it's only been about three days from the last podcast, but you're probably saying to yourself, come on Rob, how come, you know, in the in the dim dark days of the past when you could only do one podcast every two months, how come now you're packing them in every couple of days? Well, it's because I want to get to episode 250 before the end of 2014. I've just kind of uploaded um uh over 500 videos on youtube um well no, i haven't uploaded 500 videos i've got to over 500 uploads um which i thought oh what a milestone that is i didn't realize that you know i was going to get that and i realized that I was getting very close to episode 250 and i thought wouldn't it be great to finish 2014 on 250 episodes of the SEL Photography Podcast and 500 videos up on YouTube. How cool is that? Although obviously with a YouTube kind of thing, there's not 500 photography videos up. There's lots of other stuff as well of things like guinea pigs and um, draining pools and also remote control cars and things like that. But anyway, so that's why I'm squeezing them in. And I know it's only the 13th as well, but I'm also kind of thinking uh, if we get really busy... It could be a situation where I don't have enough time. So I thought, if I get these ones done, this you know, all the way through to 250, maybe by something like the, just before Christmas actually, then I'll be done. It'll be cool. I can relax. I can enjoy enjoy the the uh, the holiday season. Well, all two days off that I get from work, and um, yeah, and that will be it. So I'm kind of packing in these mini episodes. Hope everybody's had a good few days. I know it's been only been a few days. And um, actually, I should also say that if you're tuning in and going, wait a minute, I've only just listened to episode 246, then you might want to go back and listen to episode 247, where I talk about the new photo assignment for um, December, which is exterior architecture, which I think should be great. I think we'll get lots of photos in there. I have even put some photos already in the Flickr photo stream, uh, in the group, sorry, over on Flickr, and I'll put a link in the show notes over on robnotphoto.com. I think it's something most of us have a crack at, isn't it? Um, over the years, uh, we tend to do take lots of pictures of buildings because uh, they're quite interesting. Um, actually, I've got a bit of a dilemma as well that maybe you guys can can help me out with, and girls can help me out with because I'm kind of I'm pondering what to do about something in terms of a purchase for a lens. Because as you as you may remember, a few months ago, I was lucky enough to pick up this Canon seventy to three hundred IS for a song. You know, a lens that costs about three hundred fifty pounds new. I picked up a mint, mint second hand version for about one hundred and twenty pounds UK, which is really, really, really cheap. And I reckon I could probably get about two hundred to two hundred and forty pounds for it second hand. You know, cash. So. That then begs the question, and 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 the reason why of that is because after doing some extensive testing with the seventy to three hundred versus the fifty five to two fifty IS, I kind of came to the conclusion that the seventy to three hundred IS isn't actually that much better. Um, it does have better image stabilization, but overall, in terms of the lens, you don't really gain much going from fifty five to two fifty to a seventy to three hundred. And so I kind of started thinking, well. Um, 
I really like the 55-250 mainly because it's, you know, it's a nice sharp lens and it's very, very light. So I could kind of free up the um, collateral, if you like, the cash that's in the uh, 7300 and put it towards something else. And this has got me thinking because you know I'm ne- I'm very rarely in a situation where I can actually afford to to buy something but if I sold the 7300 I could and so the, what are the choices I have well they are the following I could go for something like the Canon 10 to 18 super wide angle lens that came out this year um, fantastic um, wide focal length super wide uh, rectolinear so it's not like a fisheye but you know, for for really good wide angle sort of landscape shots and automotive shots, fantastic wide angle lens. Um, it's an image stabilized one, and they go for I think they go for about two hundred and fifty pounds at the moment on Amazon. Nice lens, so something like that. However, you know, is the eighteen millimeter end of my eighteen to fifty five kit lens actually wide enough? Eh, you know, maybe sometimes I think it is, and sometimes I think the photographs I prefer more tend to be the photographs I take at the longer end of that kit lens, uh, 55mm, or when I put like my 40mm 2.8 on, or my 50mm 1.8 on the Nifty 50. I think sometimes I prefer those photographs. Nothing to do with sharpness or anything like that. It tends to be because I like the fact that I've picked something out from a scene rather than trying to get the whole thing in. And with something like a super wide, like a 10 to 18, you'd be getting everything in, you know, including yourself in some of the shots. You can almost see behind you with that sort of lens, so... So that's one of the options, but I am. A, it does appeal to me because it's a focal length that isn't in my arsenal. I'd have to go panoramic and take a series of shots to get that sort of field of view in. So that's one of the options. The other option, well, there's two really. One of the options would be the less likely one would be something like the 60 mil macro lens that Canon do, but that's quite a lot more expensive. That's over 300 pounds. So I'd have to save up a bit more than that because I do like doing macro photography. And a dedicated macro lens, you know, would come in handy. However, the the lens that is another lens that is calling me, calling out to me, versus the ten to eighteen, is the eighty five mil f one point eight. And in fact, if I go on Amazon now, let's have a quick look. What we got? Amazon, Canon, ooh, Canon, eighty five millimeter one point eight. Is it's it's two hundred and seventy pounds, which is probably about fifty quid more than I could get for my seventy to three hundred. But that is an amazing lens in terms of uh, low light capability, and it's an amazing portrait lens. Now you might be saying, Rob, I've seen your Flickr photo screen stream. <laughs> Actually, it might be better calling it the Flickr photo screen because of some of the photos I put up. But anyway, you don't take many portraits, do you? I know, but if I were to, gosh. With that lens, the 8518, mm, if you look at some of the photos taken with that lens, it is very nice, creamy, lovely background, nice and flattering. Um, it appeals to me as well. So, you know, so what do you think? If you were to have, you know, a little bit of cash and you had a choice between either going super wide with something like a 10 to 18 or for a super portrait lens like the 8518, which one would you buy? Answers, please, on postcards too. Actually, no, just email me, scalespeeder at gmail.com or drop uh, some comments in the notes over at robnonphoto.com under SCL248 and I'd most appreciate, especially if you've had experience of either of those lenses, 
and whether you think something like the 85mm f1.8 is worth having or should I just stick with the 70-300 and just set it to 85mm even though it's not as fast it'd be like f4.5 or something or the 55-250 to you know set it to um, that focal length and again it won't be fast or is the, is the amazing kind of field of view you get with the 1018 you know something that you can't really uh, avoid so there we go that's what i'm thinking about now next up the uh the subject actually for today's mini podcast is does the future look like a gopro now you may you may know if you've been over on the uh the, the, the youtube stream or or listen to any of the last podcast i think i talked about the fact that recently i last week i think or the week before i was lucky enough to get an sj4000 wi-fi action camera basically it's a gopro copy and it's my christmas present but i have been using it and doing some tests and i'll put a video up on youtube as well and using this little camera doing quite a bit of video um a fair few number of stills um quite a few time lapses but getting it into all sorts of unusual places it's, it's got me kind of thinking about what maybe the future form factor of our cameras possibly maybe um maybe could be because if you think about gopro and the way they brought the action camera the little action video camera to the masses is amazing isn't it you know when you think action video camera you think gopro don't you but the thing, problem with GoPros is they're really expensive. Um, but with something like the SJ4000, SJ Can We Make It, have shown that other companies can produce a good device at a fraction of the price. Um, but maybe this kind of form factor of this very, very small sort of matchbox-sized camera will, will, will be what the future is. Because if you think about it, really, if you just want to capture a device, something like in size, similar in size to a GoPro or SJ4000, is really handy because you can put it in your pocket... It's small enough to put in a waterproof case. And I think what will happen, maybe, is that I mean, we're seeing it with things like the lighter, aren't we, and the software and the, 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 the effects that you can add to your phone as well, is that the traditional things, why we have big cameras and big lenses, is, is really to do with um, depth of field, isn't it? We have a big camera and a big lens so that you can isolate something in terms of focal um, depth if you like you know you can take a picture of someone and get the background blurred but if you've got a very small camera with a very small sensor and a small lens everything tends to be in focus however that can be an advantage as well because we're moving in a situation where you can apply very good looking background blur in post-processing and i think what what will probably happen i reckon is that in the future maybe you'll have a little tiny little camera like a gopro size camera but it'll have two lenses on it. And so those those two lenses will then give you 3D, say. So you could do three, but, but it's not really about 3D. They'd, they would take two images. Maybe they'll even shift the sensor inside the camera and take two images, one after the other, incredibly quickly. I guess you probably have two separate ones, so you could do video like this as well. But the idea is you, so that you get a little bit of parallax change in the view. And so that in, in the software... The camera can well, the software can work out the depth, the distance that everything is in that scene, even on live video, because there'll be a slight difference between the left and the right camera. Um, and that means you could then select anything at a particular distance and say, I want that in focus and everything behind blurred and everything in front blurred. And I think that will be amazing because you can do the, almost the same effect right now with, with certain mobile phones and in software. And I think the fact that these these devices would be so small, I mean, they'd probably be even built into the back of your phone. 
but but I like having the separate thing because you know you, you can get it in lots of unusual angles. You can put a magnetic plate on them, suckers. You can put them on top of the cars, and these tiny little lenses can be very very sharp, but still have high megapixels. And the big advantage of that is that you don't need to have a physical zoom because if your lens is sharp enough and it's got enough megapixels, say I don't know fifty megapixels, all you do is you just crop into it. You know, you crop into it and. Um, and you don't need to have a digit, you don't have to need to have a uh, physical zoom, and you don't need to be able to focus either, because everything is in focus. Because you know that in post processing, you can choose the where the blur is going to be. Um, I mean, they'll have things like that we have already. So you have face detection for exposure, really big dynamic range as well. And although the camera can be a standalone thing with a memory in it, so you can click, click away, and take you know thirty frames a second like you can with a GoPro um, black uh, black four or whatever at the moment. Or take super high res video. Also, you you know you'd be able to really easy connect connect it to your phone, like your camera, the GoPro, and the SJ four thousand now. Um, but it'll be it'll be work much much faster and and automatically, so you can stream live from the camera to your phone to the internet, or maybe even straight from the phone to the internet as well. And I was thinking maybe you can even daisy chain all these devices together, so you could get like a number of these cameras, put them around you, you could have like matrix style bullet time photography or you could put them back to back and then you would have live 3d rendering of what's around you as well and i think the idea is that all of this would become so simple to do you know push of a button and the technicalities of taking the photo would become so secondary that would really just be about your imagination um, your vision of what you wanted or the location or the subject that you were doing that would would drive your art rather than learning all the technical skills and lugging all the camera camera gear around. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Will cameras turn into? Will we all just be carrying a little GoPro around with us and taking amazing photographs and then editing them and putting blur in afterwards? You know, is the future of cameras big? Is it small? Or there will be lot. Or will there be like there is at the moment lots of different form factors? Because one of the ten, ten things I tend to think about as well is. You know, the shape of a DSLR with the grip and the lens, which is pretty much similar. You know, compact system cameras or mirrorless systems are the same as well, aren't they? They're basically the same shape they've been for the last sort of 80 years. Um, is that because we've just stuck with that design or because it is the best shape for a camera? You know, is it because traditionally you had to have a body like that because the film had to go through it? Um, or or is it because you know you can hold it and you can have the button in the right place? What do you think? Email me, put some comments from nonfoto.com, and then let's take this discussion forward. Anyway, that's enough from me. Thank you for uh, listening. Um, two more episodes to go to reach 250. I'll probably be recording episode 249 in about three days' time, and then episode 250. I don't know, maybe before Christmas or maybe between Christmas and New Year. I don't know, but that's enough from me. My name is Rob from RobNoFoto.com. Email me, scalespeeder at gmail.com. Um, take part in the, the uh, photo assignment over on Flickr. Remember, it's free. And uh, thank you very, very much for downloading and listening to the podcast. And hopefully, I'll see you on Flickr. <laughs>